Well, we love Jesus every day, all the time, more and more. We love Jesus. So we got a, a couple of weeks. We got Greg Boyd's going to be with us next Sunday, which is pretty exciting. And uh, so there's a couple of weeks before we launch into, we're going to be doing a series, Wait, There's More. And that's the series we're going to launch with our Saturday night services and Sunday starting at the end of September. And so it's going to be good. You're going to love this series because it's going to be awesome. Because how many know there's more? There's just so much more, and we want to unpack everything that means and engage how to, how to just, just uh, embrace all that stuff, so it's going to be fun, but between now and then, we're going to do a couple of sermons called Imagine. Can you say imagine? I do want you to imagine, but out of that imagine, we want to create like a swell. We want to create a draft. We want to create just like a a massive vacuum that's going to suck you into a place where it's not just imagine, but a place where you're going to say, I'm in. Do you see that in the imagine? I had had somebody last night came to me after and said, I didn't realize until the last slide that the I am and the I am are emphasized. That's true. That's pretty awesome. That's why we did that. Amen. Let's turn to your neighbor and say, I'm in. It's good. Well, we can close in prayer then because that was my objective. All right, but I want to talk to you a little bit about Moses and the call of Moses, and we're going to invite you to the I'm in. Are you ready? Exodus 3, verse 8, it said, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land and bring them to a land that is a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Woo! I mean, here you got a bunch of slaves. They've been there for some 400 years. They, they got an understanding somewhere in their history, uh, tradition being passed down to them that they're a special people, the people of God. And yet here they are in this hardship and this slavery. And Moses had a revelation that they should be free. And he took it in his own hands and he, he killed a soldier and he ended up spending 40 years in the desert. And then when God says, okay, that revelation you had, it was absolutely accurate. You just tried to take it in your own hands. How many of you had a revelation from God and you took it in your own hands and blew it up? Abraham did it when he thought I haven't had the son yet. So he, he took the slave woman, tried to have a child. Sometimes we try to take God's plans in our own hands and our own timing and that, you know, that's not good but then now it's the time of God now Moses you know God comes and says Moses it's time it's time what you had in your heart the revelation you had it's time it's time for the people to be set free and Moses like send somebody else you know it, it's rough when we don't get the purpose of God and the timing of God lined up but when you get the purpose of God and the timing of God lined up it's a good thing and we believe that I believe it's, it was so interesting last night how incredibly just with ease, a sense of God's delight and presence fell on the place. And you just felt like God saying, it's time for this. I'm all over this. And it was so good. So uh, I just felt, wow, thank you, Jesus. Because, you know, it's good to feel that assurance from him. It's good to hear the yes from God that this is something I got my hand on. So say, see, that's awesome. It is awesome. So, so Moses comes and he's got that responsibility to come and deliver the people. And so he, he confronts Pharaoh. And we got the plagues and all those things. And then they're out there. They're through the Red Sea. And now they're in the wilderness and they're headed to the promised land. And so let's, let's pick up the story right there. Because Moses had to get the people to picture. He had to get them in their hearts to see that there's more. So he had to get them to imagine. He had to speak to them and say, come on, there's more. You're the people of God. There's more. He had to stir up their hearts for much more. So Moses had to inspire the people 
people that God has a preferred future for you. I'm here to inspire you that God has a preferred future for you. No matter where you are or what's going on in your life, trust me, you are the children of God and you are condemned to the life of how much more. He said if he gave his own son for you, which he did, I mean, he gave his own son for you. He says, how much more along with him will he not give you all things? I mean, that's in the Bible. I mean, that's really in the Bible. I mean, I love that. You know, so Moses is inspiring these people to come on. I want to break off that slave mentality. I want to break off that, that crippling grip that's on your life, the hopelessness and the despair. And I want you to move into a place. I want you to be willing to pick up. I want you to be willing to transition. I want you to be willing to sacrifice to move on to a better spot. So that's what Moses is doing. That's what it's all about. So Moses, as a type of Christ, is called, calling these redeemed people from slavery to lead them into promise, a company of slaves turned into a redeemed community, children of God, ready to invade the impossible and possess the promises of God. Here we are. Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10, verse 29 to 31. It says, now. Say now. Now. I love that now, don't you? Now Moses said to Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, also known as Jethro. Say Jethro. Jethro. I think Jethro's easier than that other stuff there. Jethro. We are setting out for the place which the Lord has said. We are, we are, impact, we are setting out for the place that the Lord has spoken about over us. We are setting out for revelation that he's poured into my heart 28 years ago. We're about to embark on a journey where we're gonna step into accelerated growth and accelerated revelation, accelerated glory. We're stepping into a realm where we've never been before. We're stepping into a place. And he says, we're gonna go into that place that the Lord said, I will give you. How many have had the Lord say he's gonna give you some stuff? How many have had some words spoken over you that they're, they're way better than where you are right now? There's something that's way bigger than what you're seeing right now. Well, you know, Moses is saying, now is the time that we're going to move into the words that were spoken over your life. Now's the time we're going to step in to possess what God has promised in your life. Well, I'm just going to wait for him. If he said it, I guess he'll do it someday. You know, sometimes it means that you've got to mix faith with that word, and you've got to be aggressive with that, and you've got to say, now's the time. Because now faith is. Now faith is. And here's what he said. Now here's what he said. Come with us. 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 Come with us and we will treat you well for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. And he said to him, I will not go, but I will depart and go back to my own land and to my relatives. So Moses said, all right, gave it a shot. And Moses said, no, please, please, please do not leave. And as much as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness and we can, you can be our eyes and it shall be if you go with us. Indeed, it shall be that whatever good the Lord will do us, the same he will do to you. Come with us and we will treat you well for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. And you can be our eyes and it shall be if you go with us. Indeed, it shall be whatever good things the Lord will do to us, the same he will do to you. So here's Moses saying, I just want to convince, I want to convince my father-in-law, come on. So, so you know, we, we got some father-in-laws in the house today. So we, we, come on, maybe, maybe it's time to move from Nigeria and step into the cold frontiers of, of Canada. I don't know. Could be a, a destiny word, I don't know. I'd just leave that with you. But, you know. Now, if I were Moses' father-in-law, I'd have some questions, all right? If I was Jethro, I'd have some questions. Here's the questions that I would have. Number one, well, who are you? 
Like if I'm going to, you know, pack up everything and I'm, I'm going to, you know, move with you folks, who are you? You know, and, and then I also want to know where is it exactly that you're going? Where are you going? And, and then I want to know, everybody wants to know, don't you? Come on. Everybody wants to know what's in it for me. Doesn't anybody want to know that? I mean, everybody wants to know what's in it for me. And then number four, wow, why are you so confident about this? So we're going to answer those questions. You ready? You ready? So number one, who are you? Who are you? It says, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. And so the Lord has promised good things to Israel. Israel was the people of God. So it's a redeemed community of former slaves, God's chosen people. You know, that's us. You know, we were formerly, once we were in darkness, but now we are light. Once, once we were broken slaves to sin, now we are slaves to righteousness. We are a redeemed community that God has personally called out. He sought us out. We are born from above, an act of God himself. He has identified us. He's brought us together as a community that he's going to use to reveal his goodness in the earth. Wow, we are a transformed, authentic, generational, multicultural community of believers consumed with the mission of God. You know, missions isn't something we got on the wall with a couple of pictures attached to it. Mission is who we are. We're on a mission. We're on a mission locally. We're on a mission globally. It's something we do. And look around. You know what? We want to be committed to the fact that we are multi-generational. You know, I loved even in our practice meeting last night, our practice meeting for our Saturday night, we had 14 kids in Sunday school and two babies in the nursery. And we had every age group there, every, every ethnicity. I mean, we were multicultural, a very neat-looking tribe of people. And that's who Impact is. Impact is a, is a transformed, authentic, generational, multicultural community, community, community of believers we are hooked up and we're engaged. And, and the thing that's brought us together and knit our hearts together is we are on mission. We are on mission. We are on mission. So who are you? Who are you? Gandhi said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike Christ. Gandhi said the readings, uh, the, the writings, the, you know, the text of Christianity and, and the Christ of Christianity and who is represented there, I like him, but the Christians not so much. And that's unfortunate, don't you think? I mean, we should resemble who we are. Our DNA is we are born of God. We are children of God. And if we are children of God, we should look a whole lot like Jesus. Is that word Christian? It was first used in, in uh, uh, Antioch because the people there, they said, look at these people. They're like little Christs. They, you know, they, they talk about Jesus, but they are anointed ones walking around doing the God kind of stuff. They are little Christ. You know, it's a sad thing when Gandhi says, I like your Christ, but you Christians, not so much. You know, so we want to be a, a community that's really authentic, that when you run into people and you run into the impact community and you engage in that community, it smells a lot like Jesus. This reminds me of that video we shared a few weeks ago. Remember, you smell like sin. <laughs> you know, but anyways, that was, that was funny at the time. <laughs> But you, you, should, you should come into the fragrance. It says we are the fragrance of God. And you should come into a place where you experience the fragrance, the presence, and the goodness of God. So, so who are we? Who are we? I received an email this week. And I'm going to show you just a, a part of that email. And this is somebody who's moved to another town but wrote us back and said, you both as well as the community that you helped create taught me about the love of God in a way that I had never been exposed to in my life up until the point of being brought to Impact Church. I cried listening to Carl spew out words about the love of God, that he, God, loved me just as I am without any changes, unconditionally, no questions. He thought I was perfect. It was amazing, unlike any words that had ever been spoken. 
I mean, I was pretty touched by that. But listen, you know, Cheryl does our uh, responses to visitors and guests and all those things, and she works with all that. But folks, the feedback we get from you guys, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of, wow, I've been exposed to the goodness of God like I've never known before. And, you know, I, I want us to represent. I, I'm glad that somebody else testified that that's who we are, because that's actually what we're trying to do. So it's nice to hear that coming back to you. But this is what we really want to do. We want people to be introduced to God. I don't want them to be hooked up with me. I don't want them to be members of some community, although we are. But most of all, I want them to be connected with the beautiful, wonderful love of God. I want to connect them with a Jesus, a Savior, who's nuts about them and is passionate about them, and he loves them. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Ephesians 3, 21 says, To him be glory in the church by Christ to all generations forever and ever. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father, say Father, the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. I mean, who are we? We're the body of Christ. Who are we? We're the church. Who are we? We're the family of God. You know, who are we? We are the instrument that God has fashioned. And it says that we are the church in all generations forever and ever. That means the church doesn't have some temporal existing purpose. It has an eternal purpose. The church has a purpose that has no beginning and no end. The church of Jesus Christ is the sole vehicle, the body of Christ, the family of God, that God himself has chosen to manifest who he is to the whole earth. We have an incredible holy calling as a people of God. We are his voice, his hand. We are the light of the world. I mean, who are we? We're awesome. We're incredible. The one who identified us and brought us into manifestation is God himself. And he has chosen us to express his greatness and his goodness to the whole earth. Wow. You know, when you know who you are, you can get excited about something. You know what I mean? Ba-ding. You know who you are? You just won the Reader's Digest sweepstakes. Woo! You are children of God. You are the church of God. You are the family of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are the sole vehicle through which God is going to reveal his goodness to the whole earth. I think that's better than the Reader's Digest thing, although I'd like to get that call. You know, I had a time where... Is it Publisher's Story? Publisher's Clearinghouse. Don't they clear Reader's Digest too? Thank you for correcting me, honey. People were so confused. They were conflicted going, dummy, wrong thing. Publishers clearing house. Did you know that I actually, uh, we lived over on Princess and I, I, you know, you get those things in the mail. So I started to send them back and I started to get new ones. I kept sending them back. Has anybody ever done that? Kept sending them back? More than just me? Oh, that's awesome. You know, I had one time where they sent me a letter and I'm going through this exchange back and forth. You're getting closer, getting closer. I actually got a letter where it said, you are in the top three and we actually need to know where you're going to be next Tuesday. And I was like, why would they need to know that, right? Unless it's like, you know what? I totally put it aside and did not respond. And to this day, I go, what if? Anyway, that was just a sideline. But, <laughs> but here's way, way more special than any of that. My source is Almighty God. 
The one who provides for me is not Publishers Clearinghouse, it's God Almighty. The one who with the word says, let there be. And he's never, ever failed me, ever. He's just a good, good provider and a good, good God. So Jesus is building his church. He's building this distinguished, beautiful community. And we are here to operate with open and authentic community. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you that you should love one another as, say as, A-S. Circle that because that's the scariest word in the Bible. How we should love each other is as he loved us. And if you say, oh, I want to be good at that, and if you study out how he loved us, that's pretty intense. It's a pretty high standard. Thank God it also says, I have shed my love abroad in your heart that you can actually do it. We love him because he first loved us. But the distinguishing thing for the community of God, it says, by this, what is this? What is this? By this, by this, how good your choirs are, how good your pastor preaches, how good your worship team is, how good your facilities are, how good your youth program is. That's not it. It says, by this, all will know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another. Say one another. another. There's a lot of one another's in the Bible. You know, you can't fulfill any of them if you're not in a community. And you're not manifesting that in community. And you know, you can do it. I can't love everybody. You can. God would never tell you to do something you couldn't do. You know, every one of us can do that because he first loved us. So we're going to be, who are we? We are a loving, purposeful, incredible community, diverse, trans, transcultural. We are trans-ethnic. Uh, we're trans-generational. Uh, all of those things. We have all of those things moving together because we are a group of people that are moving together on purpose in the glory of God. So we're an impact group of people living in authentic community. Can I get a Hallelujah. So you can't fulfill the purpose of God outside of community. You can be a believer, you can go to heaven, and that's all good. But you know, without community, it's community that makes you work out everything that God's worked in. So community is really, really important, and that's how we're going to manifest the fullness of God. So that's, that's who we are. That's, that's who we are. We're the people of God. So I want to answer the next question. Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? Says so we're setting out for the place. Say the place. The place. I want to talk about the place kind of uh, more uh, rhetorically than, than the physical destination of the whole thing. But the place. There's a place where God wants us to bring. So, And I'm going to give it to you. God's going to give it to us. So I'm talking about pursuing his promise, pursuing his placement, and pursuing his purpose. And there's something significant that God has for the church of Christ in general, but also for us specifically that we should know and that we should understand. Jack Welch. Say Jack Welch. Jack, great guy. You can see his teachings online. I mean, the internet is, is a blessing and a curse, but there's a lot of really good stuff on there, you know, but, but Jack Welch was doing a teaching about leadership, and this was one of the things he said. He said, the role of a leader is to be the chief meaning officer, the chief meaning officer. The role of a leader is you give meaning to why we are moving together. Why are we as a community hanging out together? Why, why should I be a part of this? Why should I be excited about this? So the leader should be the chief meaning officer. Amen? I thought that was a pretty good quote, so I, I threw it up there in the 
the sermon today. So chief meaning, Proverbs chapter 29, 18, it says, where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there's the people, when they do not accept divine revelation, they run wild. If they don't accept divine revelation, they're going to run wild. And another translation says, where there's no harness, the people are, are unrestrained. Where there's no harness, people are, I thought harness, that's an interesting translation to say there's no harness. So if you drove by a field and you saw 20 horses in a field, you would see, look in that field, there's 20 horsepower. Now we, we used to have a, a, I don't know, Steve, do you still have that Dodge with the Hemi in it? You do? Such a great car, isn't it? I don't even know why we sold that to you. It's my wife's greatest regret. I hope you're enjoying it because she said, that was really stupid. That was a good car. She loved that car. You know, I went to the showroom and I'm looking for a car and I'm wheeling and dealing with the guy in the showroom. And I said, I'd like this black car, black. I like black cars, black leather, everything. And then all of a sudden he looks at it, he says, you're in trouble, bud. I went, I'm in trouble? Why am I in trouble? I'm in charge of this negotiation. He says, no, no, I am. I said, what do you mean you are? He says, look out there. I went, oh, is that your wife? I said, it is. Look at her sitting in that red car. He said, I think I own you. I said, oh, no. I went outside. I said, get out of the car, Cheryl, right away. And she's smiling and grinning. I like this one. I went, no, this isn't how you negotiate. But sure enough, Cheryl liked it. We got it because that's life. But that had a Hemi, it had 360 horsepower under the hood, and that baby, I mean, it, it had posi traction, rocket ship back in. And the first thing I did when I pulled on the block, I had a bunch of kids playing road hockey, and they moved all the nets aside, and I just line-locked it right there in front of them. Line-locked and blew a patch of smoke in the neighborhood. I think all the parents were going, what is that idiot doing? But the kids loved it. They thought it was great. But it's amazing what 360 horsepower can do. I was like, Whoa! But you know what? They were, they were restrained. That horsepower was under the hood. It was, it was put under control, and it was functioning. When you hit that pedal, every single horse responded. I don't know how they got 360 horses under the hood. I don't care, but it was awesome. But you know, when you harness horses, and you bring it all together, and you pull people together, and they're all giving their strength to one another, you know, together we can pull way, way more than you can as an individual. You should go study plowing and pulling. You know, horses together, it, it's, it multiplies not by addition, it multiplies exponentially when you attach horses what they can pull. It's absolutely astounding. And you know, when we come together, and we join our hearts together in a vision, we can do so much more together than we could ever do alone. Madeline, shout it out! Yes! Oh. I had in my notes to pause there because it was so exciting. Okay. It's so awesome. You know who we are? We are Impact Church. What are we doing? We're transforming lives to impact their world. We're here because we want to introduce people to Jesus who loves them. We want them to have a radical touch of God that will change their life forever and that they can use that impact and manifest the goodness everywhere that they are. Isn't it good? You know, we come together together as a church. We come together together as a church, right? Together together. Amen, amen. We come together as a group of people. But you know, Monday, you're going to be out there, all you doing stuff, and you're out there. And where you are, you're manifesting the kingdom of God. We're doing life on purpose, and it's real good stuff. So uh, Colossians 1.27 from the Amplified Version, it says, To whom God was pleased to make known how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of realizing the glory. Who are we? Where are we going? Here's where we're going. We're going to fill the earth with the glory of God. We're going to see that every single nation, that's on the wall out there, global glory. 
That's what we're about. Oh, but you, oh, we're just this little group of people, little Simcoe and Adelaide. What are you talking about? You know, we, we do want to shine bright right here, but we want to touch the world. And, and I feel like that's a personal mandate of mine. And this used to be my office, a room back there. You could walk around the corner. And there's a great big globe on the wall. And I one time said, Lord, how much can I have? And he said, you can have whatever you want. And I said, I want it all. And when he said that, I, I went and I researched where I could get a map. And I would every day just lean on the wall and just pray for the whole globe and say, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You know, we want to see the globe touch. We want to fulfill our responsibility. We want to join in with the body of Christ globally and see the mission of God fulfilled. And it says that here is the mystery. And it was a mystery to the Jewish mindset because they thought this, even Christianity, when they first popped into manifestation, they thought it was exclusively a Jewish thing. But Paul was saying, you know, this was hidden before. Nobody else really understood it or knew about it. But this isn't something that's just a Jewish thing. He says this mystery is for all Gentiles, for all people everywhere. And this mystery is this what is it it's no longer a mystery let me tell you what it is it's Christ in you the hope of glory and it's not you see you you can go you you is you individually but that you in the Greek is very clear it's plural and it's not Christ in individuals it's Christ in the corporate body is how he's going to fill the earth with his glory Although it is individual and it's every individual member doing their part, it's every individual doing their part in the body of Christ is how this is going to happen. So we are that vehicle to fill the earth with the realization of the glory of God. Can I get a hallelujah? Isaiah 2, 2, now it shall come to pass in the latter days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above all the hills, and all nations will flow to it. What's he saying? He's saying in the last days, the primary influence in the whole world is going to be the church. It's going to be the house of God. The house of God is going to be the major influence in the earth in the last days. It's not going to be a byword. It's not going to be, you know, cast at or scorned or passed by or thought as, you know, some little exclusive bunch of nut bars in the corner. The church is going to be the place of influence in the earth and all nations will flow with the influence of the body of Christ. Do you believe that? That's, I believe that's where we're going. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. Give me another slide. Numbers 14, 21. Here's God. He was disappointed with Israel. He said, oh my goodness, I got to work with these people. But he said, I'll tell you this, Moses, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. You know, as surely as I, God, exist, I have a purpose and I have a plan. And as surely as I live and I do live, I'm going to fill this earth with my glory. He's committed to the mandate. Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge. Say knowledge. 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 Say it again. Knowledge. Knowledge. Isaac and Rebecca went into the tent and they had knowledge with each other. Wow. That turned a corner fast. I want you to understand that this knowledge means tangible, experiential, real, intimate experience. The world isn't just going to go, oh, was that the glory? Oh, somebody said the glory was nearby. Everybody, every person, everybody who has a pulse or breathes is going to feel substantially and be substantially impacted by the reality of the glory of God. Well, how is it going to fill the earth? Like how? Like what will it be like? Can you give me an analogy? You know, express what do you mean by fill as the waters cover the sea? Well, what is that? You ever watch the Titanic and see the little submarine that had to go down really low and see it? And it had like glass walls or the glass windows were like this thick. Do you know why they were that thick? Because when you go really low, the pressure is intense. 
And that submarine knew that it was experiencing some weight. And literally, if you weren't prepared, you could go down there and the weight of the water as the submarine goes down, it'll crush it like a little tin can. So what is God saying? He's saying that you're going to feel the glory of God like the weight of the ocean. I mean, that's pretty intense, isn't it? I mean, if a submarine would get crushed going so low, every single person is going to have a tangible experiential collision with the goodness of God. That's what we're about. Oh, no, we're just having little meetings, little history lessons about Jesus. Tell everybody that love Jesus. If you don't, so be it. But he's going to come and get us out of this mess soon. And it'll be good because he'll take us all to heaven. And who cares about the world? Because, whoa, Jesus, get us out of here quick. It's getting crazy down here. He's not going to get you out because he got you in for a purpose. And he's got you in because he wants you to be a transforming vehicle. He wants you to be an agent of redemption. He wants the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdoms of our God and our Christ. And he shall reign forever. So that's where we're going. I don't know where you're going, but that's where we're going because we want the knowledge. So give me another slide. Isaiah 6, 3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I put is purple and I put it in little brackets because if you look at your translations, is is not in the original text. I don't know why the interpreters decided to throw that in. I think they thought that makes it easier to understand, but it doesn't. See, because all of heaven is constantly crying out, the mission of heaven, the purpose of heaven is glory, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the earth full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy Lord of hosts, the earth is full of his glory. There's a cry from heaven that will not stop, it will not be restrained. God will not rest until the glory of God fills the earth. I don't know about you, but if you think that's a finished deal, you haven't been watching CNN lately. Well, let's leave that alone. That's just a bad corner to turn. Isaiah 40, verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. The glory of the Lord, well, it might happen, I don't know. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. It shall be revealed in all flesh. All flesh. Oh! Pinch your neighbor, pinch yourself, pinch something. All flesh is going to experience the revelation of the glory of God. Now, here's an intensifier of that whole thought. You ready? For the Lord has spoken it. I don't speak things and they don't happen, says the Lord. If I speak it, I watch over it to perform it. That word seeks fulfillment, and it seeks a group of people who will say that's the place where we're headed. That's where we're going. Can I get a little grunt? Can I get a whoa? And they get a wowzers. All right, praise Jesus. That's good stuff. Glory. What is glory? Glory is, the simple definition of glory is properly weight. Say weight. I've got some glory. On this small little frame, I have some substance. I go to India. They say, you're a prosperous man. I went, how do you know I'm a prosperous man? They said, well, just look at you. And I'm like, oh, I'm a fat guy. Okay. But your glory is weight. You know, a lot of times when my glory runs into somebody else's glory, a displacement takes place. <laughs> and I get a low center of gravity, so very often, uh, just because of that, other people's glory goes bump. And sometimes somebody's got more glory than me, and I go bump. But, you know, that's really what it's all about. It's about glory. See, when you think your glory is bigger than God's glory, and you think you can collide with his glory and you can win, you're wrong. But there's a lot of people who think they can. And really, let me just show you a picture. It's a bit of a rude kind of a picture. But 
I know, that's harsh. I mean, I've been in some bad accidents. But I'm using a very negative situation to try to teach you something. If that dump truck is God's glory, the other thing is you. And if you think you're going to somehow, you know, resist God's glory, it's not going to happen. Glory is the weight of God. And the weight of God is moving in. I know that looks terrible, harmful, and destructive. And some of you are just disturbed going, Pastor, why would you show us that? Okay, move it off the screen quickly. Okay. I'm just showing you that because I'm saying when two things collide, the bigger one is going to have some incredible influence. And God is moving in. And it's a collision. It's not a collision of some nasty force against another force. It's a collision of the goodness of God on the brokenness of creation. And the goodness of God is going to affect all the brokenness of creation. And the goodness of God will remove it off the scene so that all that's left is the good intentions of our loving Father. Amen. All right, First Samuel 10. Let me give you a little illustration of the Old Testament. It says, the Spirit of the Lord. Here's, here's uh, Samuel. Samuel was looking for donkeys. Say donkeys. I got a great email this morning about donkeys. It was so good. I laughed my head off. It was, I almost missed church. It was so much fun. Anyway, it says, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy, and you'll be turned into another man. Now, this is Samuel. His dad lost some donkeys, and he was sent to go find some donkeys. He couldn't find them. And somebody said, go to Samuel, the prophet. Maybe he can tell you where the donkeys are. So Saul was looking for donkeys. So he's looking for donkeys, and then he comes to Samuel, and Samuel says, you might be looking for donkeys, but God has his hand on you. So he went looking for donkeys, and he got a purpose. He went looking for donkeys, and he got an anointing. You might come today looking for, who are these donkeys at Impact Church, you know? <laughs> who are these guys? You came looking for donkeys. You found purpose. You found identity. You found meaning for your life. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. An encounter with the glory of God will transform you. Look what it says. It says, you'll be turned into another man. And sure enough, when he got among those prophets, he began to prophesy, and the Spirit of the Lord just came upon him and turned him into a, another man. When you encounter the glory of God, that's why that's what we're about, transforming lives to impact their world. It's seeing lives being literally, completely, I mean, not the old thing renovated, not some modifications, not some nice Christian principles to add to your life every day, but something where there's a collision of Almighty God with you that is so powerful, you're turned into another person. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. Amen. How many have been touched by God? So much so that you know he totally wrecked your world in a good way. Like the full force of the dumb truck of his glory completely took out your Honda Civic. And he has renovated your whole life. Not renovated, but there's a new creation. And it's Christ in you is the hope of glory. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. That's good. All right. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says, The ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Impact is a community committed to bringing glory to God by exposing people to the transforming power of the gospel of God's grace. Realigning people with the goodness of God. That's who we are. That's where we're going. We want to see every single person in London and in our sphere of influence, we want to see them all encounter God's goodness. Amen. Amen. Now, I just want to give you a quote from Chris Vallotton. It's Chris. It's not scripture. It's, it's not the Bible, but it was a really good quote. So I thought I would read it to you. Is that all right? Here it is. You ready? Vision gives pain a purpose. Now, last night, I had some people yelling back at me going, well, what do you mean? Pain? There's no pain following God. I go, well, you know, sometimes there is, you know. But you might run into that. You might have difficulty. You might have a time where, you know, remember Jesus when Jesus was there in Gethsemane and he sweat drops of blood and he's literally saying, is there a... Is there another way to get your purpose done than the way that I see before me? And he said, Lord, yet not my will, but your will be done. 
See, even Jesus in his humanity, God Almighty in his humanity, he had a choice to make right there and he made a choice and he made that choice for you. He was willing for you. He was, he was a substitutionary individual for you and you are willing today because he was willing for you right then. And Jesus said, Lord, yet not my will be done, but your will be done. So vision gives pain a purpose. Those without vision spend their lives taking the path of least resistance as they try to avoid discomfort. Oh, well, that would be awkward. Like, you actually want me to come Saturday nights and Sunday morning for a little while? Well, that's, I've got a life, Pastor. True, that's the problem. The level of sacrifice that a vision requires will determine the size of the people who follow. Well, we don't want to put the bar really high because people have responsibilities. They've got things going on in their lives. So, you know, belonging with us and doing this community and the vision that we have, let's make it easy on everybody, right? So if you come one Sunday out of four, thank you for your sacrificial service. And I'm serious about that. Thank you, because that one Sunday of the month, you could be doing whatever you want. You really could. Two, awesome. Three, so good. Four, you get a parking space. <laughs> really? I had no idea. Well, it's getting kind of heavy, Pastor. Oh, my goodness. This is a bit awkward. This is an awkward conversation we're having right now. Who are you? We're the body of Christ. Who are you? We're the people of God with a purpose and a mission to reach the city with the goodness of God, to fill the earth with his glory. Whoa, what does it take to do that? I think maybe come to church maybe about 12 times a year. Be good. I don't know. What would a 12-time-a-year church look like? I don't know. I'm just kind of in front of you on purpose being a bit awkward. Well, it's easy for you to get paid to hang around here. It's easy for you. You got a parking spot already. I mean, you know, man. This whole imagine, I'm asking you to imagine a church that's fully on, fully engaged, that, that fully gets who we are, that fully wants to see every disease gone, wants to see every bit of brokenness gone, wants to see every person that's struggling or suffering in anything. We want them to be invaded with the goodness of God. We want to see the captive set free. We want the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. We want to see the anointing of Christ manifest everywhere we are. That's who we are. And there's no other vehicle for it. Well, if God wants to do it, hey, big fella, knock yourself out. I'm available once a month. I want you to get a picture of what it would look like for every believer to be 100% engaged with the call of God on their life. What does that look like? And then I'm just saying, you know what? I think there's mustard, there's honey sauce, there's 57, even some HP sauce on Saturday night. I think, I, I felt last night, God saying, this is a great idea. In fact, Carl, it's my idea and I'm all over this. And so because of that, I don't want it to be weak. I don't want it to be, hey, people are going to see billboards. They're going to come check it out and they're going to find, you know, 30 people in a room going, woo! They're going to, wow. They're going to see a radical community, totally connected, serving, giving themselves, believing together as a people. This is important. It's important enough for me to, when I can, do Sunday and Saturday. Whoa. 
Why don't you be like you usually are? The bar is really low. I don't want a church that puts demands on me. Um, the level of sacrifice that a vision requires will determine the size of the people who follow it. Sacrifice separates the small from the great. That's Chris Vallotton. Let's move on from that, right? Let me, let me give you Jesus. Let this attitude be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who didn't consider you know, being in the Godhead in that community something to be hung on to. But he emptied himself of divinity and he came into your neighborhood and he moved into your neighborhood and he became exactly like you full time so that he could turn your world around. Let this attitude be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. That's actually in the Bible in Philippians. It's not my word, it's his word. It's not even Chris Vallotton's word. It's the word. Amen. How many, okay? Are you okay? Please say you're okay. Shout back, it's okay. Don't send me any nasty emails, please. Just good ones, that's it. All right, so that's what it's all about. It's all about that kind of stuff. So we want the glory, the weighty glory of God to fill the earth. See what's in it for me. All right, that's pretty demanding. What's in it for me? A parking space. Last night, everybody who came, we had a spontaneous pizza party. And you know, you weren't here, so guess what? You didn't get any, but there is a couple in the fridge. Quickly after, if you're fast, you can get a piece. It's cold. It's not like it was last night. Now, what's in it for you? Let me, let me see. He said, he said to his father, he said, you can be eyes for us. You know, that whatsoever good the Lord does to us, he's going to do to you. This, we're not doing this because we want to be awesome. And we're doing this consumed with a vision. And we're doing this really believing that there's going to be results. There's going to be expressions of God that are wonderful. And you partake in all of that. It's not like you fell a chair and push us forward and there's nothing in it for you. Everything, all these blessings, they're all ours. They're all yours. I mean, this is worth it. It really, really is. Every person has a purpose to fulfill. He said, I don't want you to come with us and just kind of pop your tent over there and say, hey, Jethro, we're moving on now. Pick up your stuff. We're moving. Come on. You get to follow us into the promise of God. No, you can be eyes for us. It means you got a purpose. You can function. There's a call on your life that fulfills something in me. There's something that God has poured into you. There's something unique about you that I need. And I can't realize everything God has for me if I'm not related to you. And if we're not functioning together, we're never going to fulfill what God has for us individually if we don't all move together. What are you shouting about? Every person engaged and moving together in the purpose of God. Ephesians 4, 16, it says, From him the whole body joined and held together, for every supporting ligament grows itself up, builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Is each part here? If you're a part, put up your hand. Uh, it was, I did, you know, it's okay. I wasn't like, you know, making you sign anything or taking your firstborn. You know what? None of us will mature if every one of us doesn't give our strength. The strength comes in the joining. The strength doesn't come from the individual. The strength comes from the joining. It's the joint. It's the joining that supplies the strength. It's in the joining that the power is released. It's in the yoke that brings the absolute increase. And that's what's really important. So full maturity happens together. So what's in it for you? Your destiny, the purpose of God in your life. That's what's in it for you. When we say, look, let's get involved in this. So how many times do I have to do that? Only when you can. I know you got things going on. I got commitments. You got commitments. I can't do it all the time either. But you know what? If you're just going to be sitting at home watching the Leafs, which is such an awesome thing to do, Come on out here first, hang out with us. 
And then, you know, we'll go watch the Leafs together. Maybe. Get some chicken wings. <laughs> Shout out. Have some fun. Yeah. Okay. But it's every part of us. It's all of us being engaged and doing something. So it's going to happen together. Can I get a Hallelujah. All right, 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each one has received a gift, uh, as another translation says, as each one has a shape, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Every one of us has a shape, and we should be committed to realizing our shape. Let me show you a little acrostic here for shape. Ready? Shape, S-H-A-P-E, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experience. Every one of us have that. Every one of us have gifts from God. Every one of us, say, I got a heart. Say, I got a heart. Touch your heart right there. Where's my heart? You know, I was at a heart specialist, and I said, man, you must look at a lot of hearts all the time. He says, I do. He said, and everyone is different. He says, they all have the basic construction that's the same. He says, but every heart is like looking at a face. It's a bit different. Isn't that amazing? You know, every one of us see the world a little differently. Every one of us have a little different perspective on life, and that's important. And your unique perspective on life is important. It's not more important than everybody else's, but it's really important, and what you bring is important. We've all got spiritual gifts. We all got art. We all got ability. But thank God for Wayne and, and Ray and, and Dan and, and people who came along, and they know how to use power tools. Like me and power tools, it, it, it equals missing fingers and stuff. But, but these guys, they came and spent some time and they did this. Thank God for them and the gifts and tools and ability they have. We've built walls. We've done other things. People have come and they've given their strength and they've given their help. You know, you know when we all work together and do things together, it's amazing what we can accomplish. So we all got abilities. We all got a personality. Amen. You got a personality. You know, when, it, when the line was, you know, made for empathy, I was missing that day. I was on vacation, I think. I don't know what happened, but... but uh, I, I don't even know, I, I can't even define empathy. I don't even know what that is. I got to build people in my life that have empathy. There's people who feel the feelings of every person in the room. And I'm like, what, people are feeling stuff? <laughs> and I need people like that because I, I don't know. I, people have feelings, my God. And, and I'm different. And, and the empathy people need me. They need me to say, let's not drown in the feelings. Let's, let's still move ahead, you know. All, all of us are really, really important in this process. Whatever spectrum you are, whatever your personality is, you don't have to be just like everybody else or find everybody who's got a personality just like me. Be a small club. But it's so beautiful, that the, the diversity in the body of Christ. And then there's experiences. We had all summer long. Oh, man, it was so good. When Joanne was giving her story there the other night, I mean, listening to her talk about how God changed everything about me. And as she's sharing her experience, I'm going, I want to give my life to Jesus all over again. You know, Paul was sharing his testimony. He said, I deliberately, on purpose, with all of my heart, tried to be average, and God blessed me anyways. At least that's what I got out of it. I don't know. But no matter what, God seemed to promote. His grace, his favor. And I'm like, I want in on that. And you know, your experiences, your testimony, your story, it's really, really important. Your shape is important. And you need your, to be aware of your shape and you need to be able to share your shape. And it's a good thing. Can I get an amen? Yeah. All right, here we go. I'm at the fourth question. How many knew there were four questions? How do you remember that we started with four questions? Well, here's the fourth question. Why all this confidence, Pastor? I mean, why? what are you so excited about? I mean, what, what's, what are you taking? I mean, oh my goodness, here's what I'm taking. The vision is for a future time. And this is right out of Habakkuk 2. What is the vision? The earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And it says the vision is for a future time. It describes the end. And it will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed.
this vision we're talking about, I'm telling you, God is working on it right now. And we in our day have a responsibility as our generation to be faithful to that vision right now. And I believe these are the greatest days and the greatest hours. This is the greatest outpouring of the spirit we've ever lived in or ever walked in. And we've got a responsibility right now to embrace what God wants to do. I got another verse right here. Hebrews 10, 35, 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Well, this could be hard. This could be a bit of work. This could take some effort. Yeah. And after you have been patient, after you've shown endurance, after you've manifest that confidence by patiently enduring through the difficult period of it, you know what? After you've done that, you're going to receive the promise. So yeah, this might be a bit of work. Might be. Right? See, I got to put him right on the platform. Hey? Okay? Just so going to give him applause signs and everything right up there. Don't vicariously clap through somebody else. Get with the sermon. Amen. I got another slide. Joshua 1, 6, be strong and of good courage. You know, anytime you're going to enter into something, don't enter into, well, all right, let's see how it goes. I don't know. I guess. All right, I'll toss you maybe a couple Saturday nights. We'll see how it goes. We got to enter this with confidence. Be strong and of good courage for to this people, you shall divide an inheritance, the land which he swore to their fathers to give you. We're talking about the inheritance of God. We're talking about what our Heavenly Father desires to pour into us. I'm appealing to your imagination to see something explosive, something powerful, something that literally can begin a revival that will change the whole world. I can do exceedingly abundantly more than you could dare dream or ask or imagine. God can do bigger than you can imagine. I can imagine that. I can imagine a downpouring of God that is so massive that the glory of God fills me, fills us, fills this community, fills this city, fills this region, fills this province, fills this country, fills the world. And that doesn't mean that it's all about impact, church. I believe that's we're going to have partnerships next weekend with another church, with other ministries. I'm, I'm a sharer. I'm a giver. I'm a, I'm a joiner. Come on. I believe it's going to take all of us flowing together in power to see this happen. Don't you? Don't you? Look, I got one more verse. Revelation eleven fifteen. The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our God and our Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's us. That's what we're called to do. That's who we are. And I am asking you to imagine that. And just, I want you to imagine a Saturday night service that's just blown wide open. A Sunday night service that's a Sunday, Sunday night, Sunday that's blown wide open. Where we've got to really look at different communities. Where we've got to start to actually get a location in Elmer. We've got to start to get a location in Chatham. We start to get a location up further north. Owen Sound is on my heart for some reason. I don't know why. Always in staff meeting, I say, we're selling everything and going to Owen Sound. Uh, Owen Sound. I don't know Owen Sound. There's a call. There's a call from Owen Sound. There's a call. There's a call from Thunder Bay. There's a call. There's a call from Windsor. There's a call from Guelph. There's a call. 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 Come on, stand up with me. 
I am asking you to imagine. I'm asking you to not just imagine, but I'm asking you to dream a dream so big together, something that's so big and so attractive and so worthwhile doing that you can not just imagine, but you can say, well, that's nice. Let's imagine that, but let's imagine it together to such a degree that I'm willing to say, I'm in. I'm in. I am asking you, because, you know, if our vision is big and it's going to demand some sacrifice, it, it says, Chris said, and it's just Chris I know, but he did say, the level of the sacrifice defines the size of the people that are willing to follow. I'm asking you to look into your heart and say, are you a big godder or are you a little godder? Are you a big godder or are you a little godder? Do you push back against the influence of a glory or do you let it fully invade your life? says whatever you do whatever you do do it all for the glory of god are you a big godder i'm in pastor cheryl's in getting in those years of my life where i say what am i doing i think it's great i love what i'm doing but you know what i just feel something tugging in my spirit that there's more there's much more. I'm feeling a call from the Spirit to stretch, to lift up our sails, to lift them wider, to lift them bigger, because the wind of the Spirit is ready to blow. Lift up your sails, stretch them, stretch them, because God's ready to move in a big, big way. Father, I pray that you would, not through manipulation or you know, some kind of creepy, odd motivation, but out of one purpose, that you might be honored and glorified. The Father, you'd let us all search our hearts and see, what are we doing? Sometimes, Lord, we, you know, we've been going through the motions for a while and we do get complacent. I know you formed us out of dust and dust tends to settle. Stir us up. In Ezra, it says, you came and you moved the people by force. You moved the people by force. And I'm asking, Lord, that you'd let everyone here just, you know, take a look in their heart and see what's going on. And just let a fresh picture, a fresh imagination captivate them. As we enter into this new season in September and step into some new things, Lord, we just want to really give ourselves to you in a fresh way. And just say, you know, I'm in. I'm in for the vision of this house and what you want to do. What God wants to do, not what Carl wants to do or Cheryl wants to do or the eldership wants to do or three or four people want to do. But, you know, together we can realize an incredible destiny. So Father, I just ask you, just let us all examine our hearts and, and let a, a fresh vision of what can be be poured upon us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, while your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, let me just ask you, maybe you're here, you wandered in, kind of like Saul, looking for some donkeys. But you know something, you've encountered the presence of God. You've encountered the goodness of God. And I just want to ask you a question. Do you know him? Do you know him as your Lord and your Savior? Do you know him? Do you know what it is to be the body of Christ, the child of God, a part of the family? Do you know that? And if you've never, you know, made that decision to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you forgive me. I believe that you reconcile me to my heavenly Father. If you've never done that, I want you to do it today before you go. So I'm going to ask you, if you want to do that, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to go, I'm going to count to three, and at three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand high enough so I can see it. Are you ready? So if that's you and you're saying, you know what, I, I want to know a relationship with God through Jesus. I'm ready for that. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. One, 
two, three. Just put your hand up really high so I can see it. Really high. Anybody. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just put your hand up so I can see it. All right, you can put your hands down. That's good. Father, wow, thank you. Look, everybody's going to pray, so I want you to pray. You had your hand up, I want you to pray. You ready? Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I thank you that through the finished work of the cross, I am forgiven, I am healed, and I am free. Holy Spirit, come into my heart today. Testify that I am a child of God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. That's good. Somebody might tap you on the shoulder and talk to you, not because we want you to join the church, but we just want you to just engage this relationship and unpack all that it means. Now, I'm going to ask you one more thing, all right? And please, this is very, very important. We're going to be putting new flooring on this stage tomorrow. And that means that we have to get every single thing off the stage today before you leave. So the doors are locked and you can't get out of the building. So no one is leaving for lunch until someone helps us get the piano off the stage. Anyone can do it and nobody's excused from this. <laughs> it's a story about somebody, anybody, and nobody. Somebody needs to do it. Anybody can. And hopefully nobody leaves without it being done. I'm just kidding. If you got to go, you got to go. But I do need some strong, I need some strong women. Because we are complete, you know, we would never restrict women from any role in leadership or ministry. My wife is cutting me off right now. Already shut. Okay. But we do, I honest, I kid you not, we do need that help. All right. So I'm going to ask some people to stay behind for that. But I also, I do want to give you an opportunity for prayer. So I'm going to ask if we could get elders and, and ministry team people to come over on this side. And if you need prayer for anything, there's always prayer for you at Impact Church. If you need prayer. And then over on this side, I need about 50 real strong people who are eager, worship team people and stuff, because we're unplugging everything and it's all going to go off the stage. So let people get ministered to and prayed for and all that stuff. And then just turn to your neighbor and say, what an amazing altar call for I'm in. You have to prove you're in by clearing off the platform. That is so awesome. All right, bless you guys. Have an awesome day. Thank you so much. Love you, love you, love you. God bless.